Well, good morning. Making sure I'm on. Good morning. Yeah, good to see everybody. Um, my name is Philip Brand. If you do not know who I am, I'm the pastor here. And I'm, I know that we have some first-time visitors this morning. I'm glad that you're with us. And uh, we are, um, well, I don't know how to end that sentence, but there you go. That was very impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, very impressive there. Yeah. So how, how has everybody's week been? Good? Good? Okay, some people decent, decent weeks, but most people good. Look, Thursday afternoon, like Thursday actually all day, um, that weather was awesome, wasn't it? Like it was, it was 80 but felt cool because there was low humidity. Yeah, and so if you had a convertible, you could put the top down. If you had a motorcycle, you could ride it around, right? If you had just a regular car, roll down the windows, it was just a, a nice day. Maybe, you're, maybe you prefer air conditioning, but I kind of like the days where you can roll down the windows and do all that. Yeah, Jeep people, right? The Jeep people in the, in the room are going, yeah, yeah. Top went completely down, so that's absolutely incredible. All right, well, we are in a series called Stars, and today is actually part two of what we started last week. So if you're um, Princess Bride people in the room, this is a dween within a dween. Okay, if you know that. If you haven't seen The Princess Bride, you probably should see that. But nonetheless, turn in your Bible to Re Revelation chapter 2. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. Yeah, have you seen the movie? It's hilarious. Okay, okay. Here we go. It's not an exact replication of that guy, but it's pretty close. Okay. Like this. Yeah, okay. Revelation chapter 2. And we are going to begin reading with verse 18. Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. And this is what it says. To the angel of the church in Theratyra, or Theratyra, depending on how you say it, write, the words of the Son of God. Now that particular name for some Son of God, this is the only time it's used in the whole book of Revelation. It's used other places in the Bible, but this is the only time... He refers to himself as the son of God. Next, who has eyes like a flame of fire. So Jesus has eyes like a, a flame of fire. Um, I had a first grade a teacher that had eyes of a flame and fire. It was like penetrating to your very soul, right? I was a kid in school that was very energetic. Um, I was... Yeah, I, energetic is probably best. I don't want to say bad because I feel good about myself. But I was very energetic. And so from time to time, Ms. Rupard would sit me down and her eyes would scare you to death. It, look, it felt like she was looking at your very soul. You ever know anybody? Know, have you ever known anybody like that? Like they look at you and it just looks like they're looking deep within to your very soul. Well, this is precisely what, what this is talking about. It's talking about Jesus he has a fiery, flaming eyes. It's like he can see your very soul, and he can. He knows you. He sees directly into you. He knows exactly what is happening to you. He, he knows you very well, so he has these flaming fires. Um, I think that this is one of the many reasons why people have to bow down like when they have a vision of Jesus, because he looks at them, and they're piercing through to their very soul, and they feel unholy, and they have to bow down. You have to stop looking at him at some point. Have you ever had that moment? 
Ever had that moment? Yeah, sure. Sometimes you had that moment because you know that you were trying to pull the wool over someone's eyes, and they knew it, right? And so you look away. Come on, church, right? So you look away. Yeah, and look, I've done it before. It, does it make you feel better if I've done it before? Like, if I've been looking at Nicole before and was like, yeah, I really don't want her to know that. Yeah, so you kind of can't look at her eyes because it's harder, harder to... I'm just being real here, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, it happens to all of us. My insurance salesman says that all men are liars, is what he says. I'm not sure what that means, but that's what he says. But nonetheless, I mean, it, it's like that. And so Jesus looks deep inside us, and he knows us better than anyone else. That's it. And then it goes further. It says, whose feet are like burnished bronze. That is a picture of you can't move Jesus once he's decided to stand somewhere. So the burnished bronze is just him standing firm. So he has these piercing eyes at you, and then he stands firm. You're not going to be able to push him out of the way. You're not going to be able to push him to the side. He is there. He's looking at you, and he is there, and he knows what you are doing. And that brings us to verse 19, which says, I know your works. Jesus is saying he knows your works. Your work of love and faith and service and patient endurance. So he knows, as he looks at this church, he knows their works of love. He knows their works of faith. He knows their works of service. Very good. Let's say that a little bit louder. He knows their works of service, and he knows that they have persevered in their endurance. So I looked at this, and, and at first, you know, thought, well, well, what's, what's the difference in these? Because Jesus, every word that he says is exactly the way that it should be said. And there's a reason that there's an end here. And there's a reason that he put them in this order. And there's a reason that he didn't just mush them together. For instance, I feel like, like, if I do a work of love, it's a work of service. Right? I feel like that that's the same thing. That's, that's how I feel. Like, if I do a work of faith, that's also a work of love. It's, like, connected together. If I do a work of service, it's also a work of faith. Is everybody tracking? Like, if I go to someone's house and do something, I feel like that's a work of love, but it's actually service. So what, what in the world is the difference between a work of love, a work of faith, and a work of service? What is the difference there? And so in thinking about it, I came up with a couple of things. When you decide to meet someone else's need, like they need food or they need clothes, and you give freely clothes to them, you give freely food to them, that is a work of love. You are not serving them. You are loving them by supplying a need that they have. Right? From, from your heart. So he looks at this church and he says, hey, there's works of love. Y'all are actually giving things to people that they actually need. You are giving to the poor. You're helping the needy. That is a work of love. Another work of love is fellowship. Fellowship with each other. You, you like to be around other Christians, and so you go and you show up and you, and you fellowship with other Christians. You interact with other Christians. That is a work of love. You fellowship with unbelievers from time to time. Just showing that you, you love people. That is a work of love. Um, another work of love is, is uh, when you keep calm when telling the truth. 
That's a work of love. Yeah, it's a work of love. Because sometimes you have the truth, but you don't want to do it in a very loving way. Right? And it, and it takes work to get to the loving way to stand for truth. You're still going to stand for truth, but you need to be loving when you do it. So, so it, it, takes, it takes kind of a work to do that. A work of love is when you come to church and you realize that someone isn't feeling right. They don't look exactly like they're happy or they look like something's on their mind. And you either go up to them and say, are, are you feeling okay today? Is things okay today? You, if you know them well enough, you give them a hug or you put your hand on their shoulder or, or whatever you do. But you let them know that you care because you've noticed that they are not feeling very well or they look like they're not feeling well. Right? And so, so you, you go into there and you're like, yeah, I, I just wanted to check on you. You were not as happy as you normally are. You're a little more serious today than you normally was. Is there anything going on that I can, I can pray for you for? Or, or, you know, you talk to them. That is a work of love. You're not serving them, but you're showing them that you care and that you love and you have them in mind. And it means a lot in those situations. Um, the Bible would say there's a couple of different works of love. One is love covers a multitude of sins. My paraphrase of that is love keeps its mouth shut. That's my, that's my paraphrase of that. And that is so true. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love keeps its mouth shut. When you know that this person is struggling with this sin, you don't go and tell everybody else about it. Right? You keep it secret. You keep it between you and them. And you keep it in a tight circle. You don't go spread it around. Listen, this is why I believe that every human that has ever been created, well, one of many reasons, is, is very creative. We can tell stories. We have a juicy bit of information that we had just found out, and then we start telling it, and we put our own spin to it. And don't tell me you don't put your own spin to it, because I've heard you tell stories. Okay? And I do the same thing. We all do this, and we create it to be this when it's really this. Right? Because we all like a story that is very interesting, and we want our stories to be interesting. Correct? Yeah. I was... Um, <clears throat> at lunch with someone one time, and they told me a story. It, it was a story about uh, a restaurant experience that they had had at a restaurant locally uh, the previous week before, and he, he told me all about it, how the service was bad, the food was bad, and everything was bad, right? And it was kind of funny and comical the way that he was, he was doing all this. So taking a cue from my, my wife, which often tells me that I really need to connect with people and let them know that this is the subject that they talked about, and my next statement should be over here on this subject, but I should give them something to let them know that I was listening, right? I, I should do that, because I'm a bad habit. You tell me something, I've heard it all, but I'll go over here, because I think the story's done. So in this situation, I heard her in the back of my mind, which she's right, and I started telling a story about a restaurant event, and I got all the way to the middle of it, realizing I don't have an ending. My ending is nowhere close to what his was. It's not even a juicy story. It's not even something that is even slightly interesting. And I'm in the middle stuck. And the only reason I'm telling this story is to make a connection to say, I listened to what you told me just a few minutes ago. Oh, come on. That's funny. That's funny. So, so in, anyway, you, you do that. So we are all creative. And what, what God is saying is, if you love people, a work of love it's not telling everybody else about this person's imperfections, but keep it 
private and don't tell everybody else. Love is keeping your mouth shut. Here's what this does. This person that is struggling with this particular issue in their life, Lord willing, will take a step where they ask Jesus to forgive them. And then they're going to step out of that thing and start living in the real world. And the thing that they do not need is for everyone else that they come into contact with having a version of their story and holding it against them. They don't need people looking at them saying, hey, that's the guy that did, or that's the girl that did, or that's, you remember what they did. They don't need that. What they need is to emerge from this forgiveness and be able to live their life without everybody else knowing some alternate version of the story that's not even close to what really happened. Are you tracking with me? And so you, you keep it quiet. So a work of love is covering a multitude of sins. So, so he's saying to this church, I have seen your works of love, and I think they're pretty incredible. That's what Jesus is saying. Then he goes to these works of faith. So what is a work of faith? Well, works of faith is actually what you're doing. One of them is what you're doing right now. This morning, everybody in this room made a decision to come to church. And you made it. You didn't make that decision to come to church while well, you're here, okay? You made a decision to come to church. That is an act of faith. There's a lot of people that don't make that decision on a Sunday morning. They don't make that decision. And so you came here to church because you wanted to connect with God. You wanted to worship him. You wanted to find something about him from his word. That is why you are here. So that's a work of faith. Um, a, a, a work of faith is standing for the truth. Staying for the truth. If you are a person that is an elected official in government, and we have a couple of those in the church, your job is to stand for what's right. So if, if something comes up that is wrong, that the, this group of people doesn't need, like if you're on the school board and the kids don't need it, you stand against it and you vocalize why you, that shouldn't be in the school system. Are you, are you tracking? I'm not getting on to you, Joey. I'm just talking. Yeah, I know you're here, but nonetheless. It, but you, you do what you need to do. You stand for what is right. There's other people that have other positions. And so, for instance, if, if you're a part of the financial part of the government, like you have that position, your stand should be, let's be physically responsible. That's a new idea. Okay? Let's just be physically responsible and get a budget that's physically responsible. So you, you actually stand for that. That is standing for faith. That is standing for what's right. Um, you might be in a situation where you have done all that you can do and you just don't know what else to do. You ever been in a situation like that? You, you just don't know what else to do. You've done all that you can do. And the step of faith at that moment is just to give it to Jesus and say, look, Jesus, I've done everything that I know to do, and I'm just waiting for you to make the next move. That's a step of faith. And the faith, actually, it depends on how long Jesus takes to make the next move. And faith is the patience to wait till he makes the next move before you make your next move. So, a step of faith is, man, I'm in this situation. I don't know what to do. Jesus, I'm leaving it with you. Just let me know when I need to do something else. And he will let you know when you need to do something else. It's a step of faith. 
Evangelism is a step of faith, isn't it? To talk to somebody about Jesus takes some guts. It just takes some guts. And so if someone, if someone you know, they might not be a Christian, they might be a Christian, and they're in your path, and God's placed them on your heart, you have to take a step of faith to say, hey, um, do you know Jesus? Or you're talking to your friend about something they're going through in their life, and you can just say, hey, um, if you had a relationship with Jesus, he would help you with this. He would give you the strength to make it through, because that's what he does. And maybe one of the reasons you're going through this is because Jesus is trying to get your attention. He wants to start a relationship with you, and so you should consider Jesus and, and go on going through that. Yeah, so, so you, to witness takes some guts. It's a step of faith. And so I think, I think Jesus was looking at this church at Thyatira saying, hey, you're witnessing for me. You're standing for what is right. You're doing for what is right. These are good works of faith. I see your works of faith. Here's another one that's very popular. This is a very popular one. Tithing. Okay, that was funny, I thought. I felt like in my heart that was funny, but maybe, yeah. Tithing is a step of faith. Look, there have been times, look, and you've had to have these times too, where you sit down and you have all these things that you have to pay and all these obligations that you have to pay, and you're wondering how you can make it, much less give to Jesus. And so, you know, Nicole and I have been, you know, at times where there's too much on us and we wonder how we're going to make it. Have you ever noticed that bills just came to pile up on you in a matter of a moment? Like you're doing fine. You think you have some money in the bank, right? You, you think you're doing great. You have the money in the bank and then Monday happens. This breaks. This goes wrong. This health issue comes up. This, this, this. And it seems all week long it's just another thing that you're going to have to fix. Your house, your car, your your kid gets sick or they have to have x-rays because they jumped off the steeple of the church i mean it's it's just all kinds of stuff happening and and you get to the end and you're seeing all this stuff come come in and you're like oh my goodness how can i do it and a step of faith is to say i give my tithe to jesus first and then i pay everything else that is a step of faith it's a step of faith and let me tell you he has never been unfaithful to Nicole and I. Never. We give our tithes. He's never, been un, he's never been unfaithful. He has always supplied our needs. Now, I mean needs. If, if, you, if you have a trip to Europe, and you can't pay for the trip to Europe, that might not be a need that God's going to provide if you're giving to him. But if you need food, clothing, and the basic necessities, God is always going to be with you. And I have also found, and Nicole has too, that when you give to God, not only does he meet your needs, but he also blesses you in other ways. He blesses you. So it's a step of faith to actually give to God, especially when you're looking at something that doesn't make sense. There have been times where I have looked at what's in my bank account and the bills we paid, and the math doesn't match up doesn't match up so you leave the math to jesus because he has taken care of it some way somehow and it's absolutely amazing so yeah that's a step uh, of faith um a step of faith that this church has taken recently is to restart a church in statesville that is a step of faith 
we felt that God was leading us to do that. And so we got with, the, got with several churches. There's a team of churches together. We now have a pastor. His name is Pastor Craig Smith. And we have a new name for the church. It's called Hope Community Church. We are taking hope to the community of Statesville, North Carolina, is what we're doing. And we have some slogans and stuff going on, working on as well, but it, it is a start. And right now, that's a step of faith. Listen, the only way that church can go is up. Too little of them there. So even, even with the new pastor, we have increased attendance by over 100%. Yeah, it's a great statistic. Great statistic. So we hold on to that, right? So you take steps of faith. So you have love, you have steps of faith, and then you have steps of service. Steps of service. Um, mowing someone's grass when they can't do it is a step of service in the church. We recently had two men in our church go to a lady's house that just had surgery, and they mowed her grass. That is an act of service, Right? Um, there's other acts of services. Uh, driving kids to fuel events is an act of service. You drive the kids to the fuel events. You get to invest in their life. You get to make a connection. Working, um, volunteering in fuel for our teenagers is an act of service. Working in Awana is an act of service. To invest in those kids in a relationship as well as the word of God into their hearts is an amazing thing that you can do. It's acts of service. We have an opportunity coming up on uh, August the 18th at a football game at Davie County to actually run the concession stand. And we have, we just need five more volunteers and we are allowed to wear our Farmington Baptist t-shirts while we are serving the food. So we will be able to witness not only that, but the booster club is putting up a banner at the field with our logo on it to thank us for helping them on the 18th, and we just need five more people, five more people. If you just sign up for that, it's an amazing way that we can serve our community and show them that we care. These are acts of service. And, and Jesus looks at this church and says, hey, I've seen your works. I've seen your works of love, and they're pretty incredible. I've seen your works of faith, and they're pretty incredible. I've seen your works of service. And then it gets to this perseverance an endurance type, patient endurance is what it says. What in the world is that? What in the world is patient endurance? And this is what it is. It is loving, is doing works of love, works of faith, and works of service when you don't feel like it. Patient endurance. Can just be honest with, well, can I, can I be honest with you because I've been lying to you the whole time? Be real with you. There are some times that I just don't feel like doing what I do for a living. So before you judge me because I'm supposed to be holy and like this all the time, there are times you go to work and you don't want to do it either. Right? You want the vacation. Things come up. Things are not going well. I mean, you just kind of feel you're having a moment, right? And you don't want to go. Patient endurance says this, I'm going to serve God anyway. Even when I don't feel like it, I'm going to do works of love for other people. Even when I don't feel like it, I am still going to stand for what is true and what is right. I'm going to have works of faith. Even when I don't feel like it, I am going to do works of service for somebody. 
even when I don't feel like it. And that is patient endurance, doing it when you don't feel like it. Listen, a lot of people, a lot of people take God out of their life to handle a situation, and then they step back in to, to the church after they've handled the situation, and that is not the way that you do it. Now, yeah, you might have to back off from church. You might have to quit serving in as many areas, but you never quit God. You always, in your situation, do acts of love, acts of faith, and acts of service within this scenario. Your acts of service may just be to the people that are involved in that particular crisis, and you're serving them, you're loving them, you're having acts of faith in that moment, but you never quit doing that. And these people never quit doing that. And the way that I know that is the last part of that, that verse, verse 19. It says, and that your work, latter works exceed the first. This means that they had been doing acts of love, acts of faith, acts of service, and patiently enduring for a very long period of time, and, and they had grown in that. They had gotten better at it, and better and better and better. They raised the bar and grew in it and got better and better. They were greater today in their love, in their faith, in their, servant, in their service, and in their patient endurance than they were when they first started. They were greater. You see, you and I need to be the same way. We need to be growing in such a way that we have a better quality of works of love, of works of faith, of works of service than we did previously. You and I need to do that. See, oftentimes churches glory in their history rather than in their future. I'm not saying right? We did... Do you, do you remember when we did this, we did this, we did this, we did this, we did this. Well, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? It's great that you've done that stuff, but you have to take a step and say, we can do better. Like, we can do better. We can bring that to a better quality. We can serve more people. We can do more things. And you grow in your works for Jesus over time, and it just gets better and better, and you become more efficient and more impactful in your community. That's what happens. It is not what we did yesterday that we should revel in. It's what does Jesus have for us to do tomorrow? What does he want me to do now? And the tenacity of that, he says, your works now are greater than they were when you first started. And that needs to be the same thing for Farmington Baptist Church. The works that we do tomorrow should be better than the works that we did today. There's a better quality to them. We're drawing closer to Jesus. We're, we're following him more. We're doing the things that he wants us to do. Yeah, so greater works. Then the text moves on. It says this. But I have this against you that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. <clears throat> so I'm going to be kind of quick on this one, all right? Practical application. Don't follow a Jezebel. Don't follow Jezebel. It's listed for you there. You can look in the Old Testament concerning what she did. Don't follow a Jezebel. What I do want to home in on, though, is this. I gave her time to repent. 
and she did not repent. I gave her time, but she didn't do it. And so what happens? Verse 22, Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her, and I will throw her into great tribulation, lest they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches the mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. Wow. Jesus isn't a kumbaya Jesus. I think sometimes we get this feeling that that Jesus is all loving and he's snuggly and he's, he's, you know, kind of like our teddy bear at night and he's just always nice all the time and he's just, he's just never, never does anything bad to anybody. But that is not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible judges sin and rewards people who don't sin. It has nothing to do with salvation, but it has everything to do with how you decide to live. And Jesus, in his grace, gives people time to repent, but if they do not repent, they've made their choice. If they do repent, that's a total different scenario because the last part of that set, that, that verse says, um, da, 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 I am, uh, sorry, man, missed it. Okay, I will throw the great tribulation unless they repent of the works and I will strike her children dead. And here it is. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart and I will give to each of you according to your works. Jesus gives to us according to our works. This is not salvation, but it is a testimony or, or an indication of the way you live matters to Jesus. And if you live this way, this is going to happen. And if you live for him, this is going to happen. It's very serious. Jesus disciplines people and Jesus rewards people. And it's all based on how they are living. It's all based on how they're living. So the text continues, verse 24, but to, to the rest of you of in Theratyra, who do not hold to this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, do not lay, I do not lay on you any other burden, only hold fast to what you have until I come. Hold fast to doing works of love, faith, service, and patient endurance. And then he does, says this, the one who conquers, who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. Jesus says to the person that conquers, he's going to put them in a position of authority over the nations. Now, I don't know if that's going to be me, but if it is, I have a couple of nations that I would like to be over. Thank you, right? I've got a couple of them picked out already, ready to go. I would like to be over this nation. I'm not going to give you my list, right? But, but I have a list, and I think you should have a list too. We should be ready. So which ones do you want to be over? Well, Jesus, I'd like to be over this one. If you'd let me be over this one, that'd be great, right? It'd be awesome. I mean, come on, wouldn't it be cool to be over Russia? Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool to be over the Middle East and kind of bring peace there? Wouldn't that be awesome? To be God's tool to do that? Wouldn't that be awesome, right? And so, so he says he's going to place you. Now, what do you conquer? 
Let's talk about that a minute. What, what is this conquering thing? Well, this conquering thing is people that have conquered the temptations in their life, and they're, no, they're not sinning anymore. They do the work. They work to live for Jesus. They, they work hard, and they conquer the temptations. They conquer what comes their way. They have conquered those things, and they've proven themselves to be faithful. And so Jesus is going to take those Christians, and he's going to put them over the nations of the world. It's not every Christian. It's the Christians that have remained faithful in their life to him. But I really want to be faithful, and I really want to receive that. And I might not, but I would really, I would really like to. And, and then what happens is, and I really like this a lot, he, he gives those people that he put over the nations, he gives them a rod. <laughs> Boom! He gives them a rod. Yeah, and, and right here, you might think, okay, Philip, that's a little violent for me, but I mean, he gives you a rod. Look, verse 27, it says, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. So he's ruling, well, I guess it's him, through you. As with earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my, from my father. As when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as myself has received authority from my father. Now, that's a picture of in Thyatira, they had these pottery shops, and you had a boss that was over the workers. And so the workers would make the pottery, and the boss would come in, and he would have this rod, and all the pots that were not perfected would be the ones that he would hit with that rod and totally break apart. And they would take them out. That way, he would only sell perfect pottery. That is a picture of justice. It is a picture of Jesus coming on the scene and using us to do this, it, coming on the scene and saying, we need to have justice in our world. I am a God of justice, and you are my people that are going to be serving that justice. And he works through us, and he gives us a rod in order to take out all the stuff that isn't right in that particular region. And we all, somewhere inside of us, really want this. Come on, I've heard you talk about politics. Okay, I've heard you talk about the government. I've heard you talk about what's wrong and how we could make it right. Because at the end of the day, we think that we can do a better job than they can. Okay, come on, people. If you're complaining, you think we wouldn't have done it that way is what we're saying. And we can do a better job. And this is what is at the heart of that is that we want justice. Come on, church. We want justice. We see things that are wrong in this world, and we want justice. And here is Jesus saying, if you conquer yourself in this world right now, I will set you over the nations, and I will give you a rod, and we together will bring justice to the world. And that is exciting. That is exciting. So, man, I would just really like to, really like to have that one day. I would really like to have that. And then he says this, verse 28. And this is why this is a part of the star series. And I will give him the morning star. I will give him the morning star. Now, we know from a past sermon that that star is actually Venus. They didn't know it was a planet, but it's, it's Venus. Venus is right there on our screen. Yep, it's Venus. We know it's Venus. We also know from a previous sermon that in that particular passage of scripture, 
um, the morning star represents Jesus. It's Revelation chapter 22. It represents Jesus. But just because it represents Jesus there doesn't mean that it represents Jesus here. And there's a couple of reasons why it wouldn't be Jesus. Number one, Jesus isn't giving himself to you. You're already Christian. You already have him. Okay? So he's not giving himself to you. So it can't be Jesus in this particular text. And then the commentators, they, there's a lot of opinions about what this particular morning star is. And I have one. Now, this is an opinion, so tell your neighbor that he's telling us an opinion here. Don't be so loud about it. Yeah, yeah, this is opinion here. So this is my opinion. See, the Romans viewed the morning star as a sign that they were going to have victory in battle. That's how they, they viewed that. And so to me, my opinion is that the morning star is that Jesus is going to give us victory. Maybe it's when he sets us over the nations. Maybe it's when we rule with the rod of iron. Maybe it's that, but he gives us a victory. But I'm really not sure. I really don't know what it is, but this is what I do know. Whatever the morning star is, I want it. Right? I want it. And I, I will be excited about it if I am able to get it. I, I, know, I know it's, you have to be excited too about this. Listen, I am even at a point now where if I don't get the morning star and you get it, I'm going to be excited to know what it is and that you have it. I think this is an amazing thing. You're getting a gift from Jesus, and Jesus is excited to give it to people. Have you ever given your child at Christmas or birthday or something, something that they really wanted, and you just couldn't wait to give them that gift? And they opened it up, and then they were so excited about it, and there was so much joy, and it, and it made your heart warm. I think that's how Jesus is. I think Jesus is in heaven. He's saying, man, I really love my people. I died for them. I cannot wait to give them gifts. I cannot wait to do it. Listen, all the gifts that Jesus gives us, we don't deserve. We didn't pay for. And it's exciting that he would put us in charge of something if, if he deems us worthy. It's, it's exciting that he would give us whatever this morning star is. It is just very exciting that he has something like that. And I think that's the reason that we don't know what it is. I think we need to have some mystery about the gift that we're going to get in heaven. Right? When we get there. Yeah, bring it on. But it does kind of encourage us, doesn't it, to do greater works of love, greater works of faith, greater works of service, and endure patiently in our service to him, doesn't it? It makes us kind of like, yeah, this is just one more reason to live for Jesus here on this earth. The greatest reason that we have, by the way, is that he died for our sins on the cross, and he rose the third day. That's the greatest gift that he's ever given me. I'm good with just having that one in heaven, but I sure would like to have that morning star. I just think it'd be great. And like, you know, you and me, if you get it, like, yeah, man, dude, this morning star is the bomb, dude. Right? Those are 80s, 80s words, okay? That's how we talked in the 80s. That's how they're going to talk in heaven because that was the golden age. Okay? So we have this morning star, and he is such a great he ends this particular um, passage of scripture with this. And as for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, oh, sorry, wrong verse. Yep. 
chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 25. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let him hear. So my desire for us is that, yeah, let's praise the Lord that God has brought us a long way in 15 years, right, that I've been here. But let's look forward to the greater things that he's going to do through us as we serve him with our whole heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you've given us. And um, I think I speak for everybody in the room. I think I do. But, Father, our heart's desire is to keep serving you. Our heart's desire is to stand in faith. Our heart's desire is to patiently endure when we don't feel like it or when we're attacked. Our heart's desire is to show your love to the world and do those works. And Father, so I pray that you will strengthen us in such a way that we can do them better than we've ever done them before. That we can be more dedicated to do them than we've ever been before. Father, we're looking for you to guide us. We're looking for you to show us what we need to do next. So as we leave today, show us where we need to love, where we need to stand, and where we need to serve. Maybe in our home. It may be in a hug that our, our child needs in that moment. It, it might be in lovingly telling someone that you know, that's just not the right way to go. It might be seeing someone's need and serving them, or it might be serving at the church and finally doing that and taking that step of faith. Whatever it is, Father, give us strength to do it. Because our heart's desire is to serve you. And, it, and as excited as we are about the rewards that happens, that happens as a result of this, we are more thankful than ever that you chose to save us. And so we lay all that at the feet of the cross. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. I'm here for you this morning. If you need me to pray for you, the altar is open as well. If you want to join our church, present yourself.